You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, it's Friday. It's a little early, but uh, we have a lot to talk about because the NFL released the schedules late last night, and there we we already knew as we talked about the other the other night on the show. We already knew who the Bengals were playing. We knew where those were going to be, but we didn't know venue. We didn't know the order, any of that. But we now do, and there are some very very intriguing matchups and ebbs and flows to the schedule and we're going to talk about that we're also going to take your questions on this episode so it's a little listener questions live slash talk about the schedule i'm anthony kazenza joined as always by my guy john sheeran john uh another one of those benchmark days on the nfl calendar has come and gone and we're going to talk about it and now now what's left we got we got some practices for we have like five no a little bit more than that like 10 practices until right late late june and then absolutely nothing so yeah got four months to go until some of the stuff actually starts to happen yep and we know that the the rookies have all received their numbers um so there's some interesting ones in there namely uh chuck sizzle getting getting chris henry's old number 15 so that's that's uh pretty interesting there but a lot of things happening, and let's uh, let's get to the schedule a, a little bit. And we'll, like I said, we'll be taking your questions. You can get those to us in a number of ways. You can email theobinsider at gmail.com. You can hit any one of us up, whether it's the show Twitter account, Cincy Jungle's Twitter account, John or or my personal Twitter accounts, up with some questions. You can leave them in the live comment sections on Facebook and or the uh, Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. So leave those there. And then, of course, you can um, hit us up just a number of different ways. Get them to us. Comment threads on Cincy Jungle. We got a lot of different ways. So we'll be we'll be piling a few of those up and uh, going over those in just a little bit. But I'm going to share. This is the official graphic from the Cincinnati Bengals and their Twitter account. We're going to share this here. Um, and then, of course, we also know the preseason deal here. So pre, uh, we'll get the the things that don't matter as much out of the way preseason game number one they are hosting the green bay packers preseason game number two they are at the atlanta falcons and seeing their old pal jesse bates there and then preseason game number three uh is at washington we already i already see a question about preseason playing and all that so we'll probably address that one in just a little bit but here is the order um and week one the Bengals go to um I'm sorry, the week one, they... They go to Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, they go to Cleveland, um, and then they host home opener, the Baltimore Ravens, the following week. Then Monday night football, they host the Los Angeles uh, Rams. Then they are at Tennessee week four, at Arizona. So you're going two different corners of the of the country here, at Tennessee week four, at Arizona week five, pretty tough there. Then they host Seattle have the bye week seven, week eight. They take on the San Francisco 49ers at, uh, away there. Then they are on Sunday night football the following week, another primetime game with the Buffalo Bills um, for week nine. Then they host the Houston Texans week 10, week 11. They are at the Baltimore Ravens for a Thursday night showdown. We talked a little bit about predictions for that. Um, 
similar to last year, I, I think as well with a Thursday night game against the Ravens. Um, and then uh, the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they host them week 12 at the Jacksonville Jaguars week 13. Week 14, they host the Colts. Week 15, they host the Vikings. Week 16, they are at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Week 17, they are at the Kansas City Chiefs. And week 18, they host the Cleveland Browns. So they start and end the season, John Sheeran, with the Cleveland Browns. So um, let's let's break it down. I mean, we don't have to talk too much about the preseason games, I don't think. But really, for me... Um, I, I thought that first month of the season that there's first four games. And then I talked about how you're going from one corner of the country to the next corner of the country, back to back going to Tennessee in week four and then at Arizona in week five, but that first starting at Cleveland. Uh, and then you've got the home opener the following week against Baltimore back to back divisional games, Monday night game against the Rams. And then at Tennessee, that, that could be a, a tricky, a tough first stretch for the Bengals here in the first month yeah so normally the Bengals don't host or they don't excuse me they don't play the Browns week one that hasn't happened since the beginning of the Andy and AJ era back in 2011 do you remember in that game AJ Green caught a game winning touchdown not from Andy Dalton but from Bruce Gradkowski of all people so that's that's the first time in a while and by playing the Ravens week two it's the first time they open up against Back to back AFC North opponents since 2012 when they also played uh, the Ravens and Browns to start that particular season. So, yeah, it's the whole season is just sandwiched between two games against the Browns, which could be viewed as a positive, I think, for some people because week one is always kind of this random variable. It's essentially an extra preseason game, and the Browns have typically given the Bengals some troubles. So, maybe that extra wild cardness or just, um, I don't know, volatility. And unpredictability of that week, it might play into the Bengals' favor. And obviously, like week 18 may not matter for either the Browns or the Bengals. So that's going to be interesting as well. Um, but like you said, th- there's some interesting travel schedules here. You-, you go to the West Coast to face Arizona. Then you have a West Coast team coming here in Seattle. And then you have a bye. And then you go back out to the West Coast for San Francisco. And obviously, I, I don't see like a stretch here where it's like an obvious like, oh, this is like a cupcake part. This is like... A tough yeah. gauntlet necessarily yeah. it's kind of all mixed in between and of course these are takeaways in may and things can obviously change once the season starts but anthony i think the biggest takeaway for me is you have a week seven buy and for the past five years they've exclusively had either week nine or week 10 buys which has been obviously very be- beneficial the more mm-hmm. closer to the middle of the season the better so week seven buys a little bit on the early end and that could be detrimental because if you don't get a bye week in the postseason, you make it all the way to the conference championship again. That's 14 consecutive games that you have to play. But I think the right. timing here it works honestly in their favor because playing San Francisco and Buffalo back to back is about as tough of a two week stretch as you can get. They're two of the only four teams that have higher Super Bowl odds than the Bengals right now. So getting that extra rest before you have to travel out to the West Coast, maybe they can affect, maybe they can you know impact their travel schedule by going out there a little bit early because they have the time off and then having that time off to face a team like San Francisco and then facing Buffalo. There's four no in the past two years in the two weeks following the, the bye in 2021 and 2022. It's a far cry from what it used to be under Marvin Lewis and their post bye week blows. So I, I think honestly kind of works into the favor. It's a very timely bye, even though it's a little bit on the early side. It's an interesting observation on your part in that you know the the perceived weaker teams on the schedule are there's not really a back to back. If you remember last year, that was um, gosh, what was it? The, the Falcons and the Panthers. I mean, there was kind of a, a string of teams there where you're like, okay, let's get this thing back on track after the slow start to the season. Here, I mean, your perceived weaker teams are <clears throat> maybe the Rams. Um, yeah, but I mean, they're still you know they've got a good coach and Stafford, and I mean. There's some talent there, um, but maybe maybe the Rams, uh, the Cardinals seem to be a bit in a rebuild mode, even though they have Kyler Murray. Uh, the Texans, obviously, because of where they picked and how they finished last year. Um, you know, the Colts kind of in there. And if you see there, I mean, they're just it's I mean, the Rams and the Cardinals are two games within three weeks of each other. But like like we said, the Bengals would be traveling to Tennessee and then all the way to Arizona. 
Um, by the way, gorgeous time of year in Arizona, early October, uh, for those looking to go to a road game, I would highly recommend that. But at any rate, um, it's an interesting point though. Like, you know, there's not kind of the back-to-back weaker teams. I mean, you, you, you said it here uh, out of the bye at San Francisco, then you host Buffalo for a Sunday night game. You get the Texans there. And then, oh, by the way, right after the Texans, you go to Baltimore and then you host Pittsburgh. So it's there's not a lot of respites in this schedule. There's not a lot of, you know, breaks or, you know, a string of games where there's in even some people you go, well, maybe there's some questions about the long term viability of the Jaguars after last year. Okay. You know, some people wonder just how good the Minnesota Vikings are after, you know, after last year. But I mean, they they won a lot of games last year. So um, and then you look for me, John, you look at that last month of this. The first month of the schedule is kind of tricky. This last month of the schedule is really, uh, you know, if the Vikings are for real, if the Vikings can sustain success, say that one five times fast, um, (laughs) Minnesota Vikings, then you go to Pittsburgh. And no matter what we always say about the Pittsburgh Steelers roster, what we think it's going to be, how bad we think they're going to be. We said this last year and somehow they're right in the thick of things still at the end of the year. So you have the Vikings, you go to Pittsburgh, then you go to the Chiefs, and then you got to wrap it up with the Browns. The Browns never an easy game, regardless of how good or bad they have been in recent years. They seem to always give the Bengals fits. So that last month of the year is also a really tricky one. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't take any one of those teams lightly. Like, who knows what the Colts are going to be? Like, I guess that's a good starting point to get some momentum entering December after you go to Jacksonville, like, they don't have a lot of primetime games in Jacksonville this late season. So that's obviously a, a new development for them and obviously a well-earned one based off of how well they did last year. So that's one of the that's one of these four primetime games that they have right now. And do, do you want to rank like like your favorite like primetime games out of these four? Because I, I have. I yeah, have I'm going to pull it up. Um, I'm going to pull up a separate thing here because I think there is a uh, maybe there is or it hasn't has it gone up yet. Uh on Cincy Jungle, maybe it's uh, in the queue and ready to go. Well, regardless, we can still we can still show this. So the primetime games, and obviously we are talking about. Um, and I'm gonna see if I can make this a little full screen here. You don't need to see our ugly mugs as much as the schedule here. So we'll try and uh, make that the deal. But um, okay, so your, your primetime games here, as we've said a couple of times, you've got the Monday night against the Rams. You've got Sunday night, uh, and and granted, they are uh, both of these first two are home. So Monday night against the Rams in week three, Sunday night against the Bills at home week nine. Then you've got a Thursday night week 11 at Baltimore. And then you've got another Monday night, the interesting one here because they're pitting Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow together week 13 at so two home two on the road. Um, let's hope the Bengals <laughs> for a variety of reasons, get to keep all of their primetime games as opposed to what happened last year. So two, two and two, two at home, two on the road. Um, to me, I, I, I guess if you're, if you're ranking them, um, I think the Buffalo, the, the Buffalo game tops the list for me uh, mm-hmm. because there's, there's going to be just heightened emotion. It's going to mean a lot. I think, for the conference, um, you know, conference standings and everything, obviously the emotions attached to it based on what happened in that primetime slated game last year. The Bills are going to be looking for revenge as well because of how badly they got beaten at home in the playoffs by the Bengals last year. So that one's tops for me. I, you know, I guess I would actually, I may put the Jaguars at two over the over the Ravens. Um, and I say that because Thursday nights are always, they, they tend to be sloppy. Um, and they tend to, you know, this, the, the Ravens Bengals game, I think I mentioned a primetime game last year and I, I may have misspoke saying that was a Thursday night. It might've been a Sunday night game, um, against the, the Ravens last year, but regardless, there wasn't a lot of points scored in that one either. What was that one? 19 to 16 or something. So 17 to 16, something like that. So I, I just feel like that has a propensity to, even though it'll mean a lot, it might be just a sloppy game. Um, and so that one may be a, a close third behind the Jaguars for me. And then, 
you know, the Rams, I know, obviously there's the Super Bowl storyline and everything, but, uh, you know, it's an interconference game and it's early in the season. So I don't know how much that'll mean in terms of comparative to those other three AFC games in prime time. I'm going to ask you a favor and just take a step out of my mind because you were just completely in it for the past couple minutes there. We are 100% <laughs> lock, lockstep in agreement here. And I, and I thought like the, I thought that the bait was going to be like, is the Ravens game or the Jaguars game more enticing just because obviously the AFC North implications, but you're right. Like, I feel like if that game was on Sunday night or Monday night, and it was the first of these two meetings following what happened in the playoffs, I think there would be more, there'd be more intensity. I'm not going to say it's not going to be intense, but I feel like it would be an even more enticing matchup if it was the first meeting after what happened in the playoffs this past January. So there's, it, it knocks it down a little bit because of that. And I think people are definitely underrating how good the Jaguars are going to be again this year. I think they're going to obviously contend for the AFC South mm-hmm. title. And I think that game is going to be a high quality game. Obviously the Bengals have shown to be highly competent in December. I think Joe Burrow's only lost like two or three games past like the beginning of December in his entire career. So obviously there's there's that and Trevor Lawrence is going to take another step I think that offense and have Calvin Ridley in it the Jaguars are going to be good and that's a really enticing matchup there and ob- and we got Dan the man in the comments who's always dropping knowledge on us he's and he's right the Pittsburgh Steelers week 16 game and the Kansas City Chiefs week 17 game those are more or less prime games too not not just because they're 4:30 and it's going to be dark by the time December rolls around but they are nationally televised games with like isolated broadcasts. They have both right. uh, CBS's flagship uh, broadcasting crew and Romo and Nance doing the game. And you only get scheduled games if you f- if the league feels like you're going to be in contention for high seeding in the playoffs. And obviously, the Bengals have these past two years have shown that that, that that's the case. So to me, the Bengals technically have like six primetime games, which is the max, the absolute max that you can have. But in terms of like actual nighttime primetime games, they have four, which I believe is like eighth or tenth in the league or something like that. Yeah. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So we talked on Wednesday, and this is maybe going back a topic that we just talked about, um, stepping out of the primetime game thing a little bit, but still kind of touching on it. Here's what I'm – we talked about tricky games, games that could provide a hiccup, games that could be, you know, just – and we obviously, because of where they picked and and everything and, and the quality draft and the high-impact players they got in this year's class, the D'Amico Ryans hire, et cetera – you go, you, you you go to the Houston Texans. Here's the problem with where this game for me sits. I, I, this this game could very well be one of the most frustrating watches by the Bengals as a Bengals yeah. fan. And here's why: you go to San Francisco marquee game. You host the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night, and then you know a week and a half after the Buffalo Bills game that you're hosting on a little over a week and a half later, you've got to go to Baltimore for a, what is sure to be a big divisional matchup and squeezed in between two primetime games, two huge games for AFC playoff implications. Most likely is this Texans game. You're home for it as the Bengals, but my God, that is squeezed. As I continue to look at this, that is squeezed in a, in an area where, this, this team does not 
you know, have that in its DNA really about overlooking teams or whatever, playing down to competition. We've seen it before in years, years and years ago, maybe more in the Marvin Lewis era at times, but this screams trip up game to me, just based on where it's slated and the opponents that it's sandwiched around. Um, I do not like at, at first blush. I just don't like where that game is situated on the schedule. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Like, would you rather that be like a perennial powerhouse or a team that you could potentially overlook because they're not as good? I think another reason, like the Texans are just bound to be a little bit better at at some point. Like, I think D'Amico Ryan's like, we both agree he's going to be a good head coach. CJ Stroud could find his footing pretty early on. Will Anderson's bound to make an instant impact. Like, they're going to be better than what they have been ever since uh, everything that happened with, with Deshaun Watson. So, I don't expect them, obviously, to be like a major contender for the playoffs, but they'll probably win like five or six games this year, which is an improvement over what's been in recent years. So, yeah, it's it's never going to be it, – it, I, don't, I don't foresee that as like a, a three-score win thing, unless they just happen to bring it that day, which they obviously could. Yeah. What other specific games, either tricky or ones where you're like, hey, this initially looked – tough and now that i look at the schedule setup maybe my mind has changed on how tough that game i mean either way do you have some other games you're pointing at in that in those respects i think the titans um like i'm not gonna say the titans are great by any means but they're a lot they're like the afc south version of the steelers to me they're always going to be like around 500 at at the very worst even Mm -hmm. if like again like ryan Tannehill does very little for me. I, I think week four is a little bit too early before Will Levis will probably play over Ryan Tannehill. I have no idea what that whole process is going to be like, if he's going to be starting for week one or if he's just going to be redshirted this year. So I'm very ignorant to that whole situation. I'm just going to assume that that's going to be Tannehill playing. And it's always competitive Bengals and Titans, even if the Bengals are the more talented team. I think this is like the third consecutive game that they've been at Tennessee. They went to the playoffs there a couple years ago. They played pretty close last year and late in the year so now you have them in the first weekend of October it's going to be I think always tough and also the Bengals have to be the Boston Bobcats that day I don't know how they're going to play under that mucker (laughs) um the the Tennessee one sticks out to me as well and I think you know the 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 where it's situated on the schedule when it's situated on the schedule I guess um you brought up the quarterback situation that could be an opportune time where the Titans are trying to find themselves, right? If, you know, if Tannehill's maybe not lighting the world on fire, he's had moments where he, play, he has played great, great football for, for Tennessee. And he's had, including in the 2021 playoffs against the Bengals, where he threw the three picks, he's had moments where it's been like, what, what the hell happened to this guy? Right. So, um, you know, I mean, at this point, if there's some early struggles, he's going to be the guy you know, and you've got now Levis waiting in the wings. I'm sure Titans fans, you know, it's just how it goes when there's questions around your quarterback, right? I mean, fans just, team starts to feel the pressure about maybe making a change and that sort of thing. So if there is a slow start by Tennessee, um, that, you know, the Bengals may get them at a vulnerable time potentially early in the season. And then maybe they transition to Levis a little later in the season if that's where their season ends up going, and you know maybe they catch lightning in a bottle late in the year that sort of thing i agree with you with the steelers thing that even though you feel like they they, if they add pieces or don't add pieces they're still going to be in the mix regardless so um i i don't take that game lightly but i think that's an opportune time for the Bengals to potentially get them as opposed to maybe later in the year um when they if and when a quarterback change has happened or maybe Tannehill gets on a hot streak late late in the year as well um i I had our, our buddy, um, Cody Toomey, we got to get him on the show again sometime, chat some ball with him. Uh, fun follow on Twitter and, and uh, you know, he does some draft stuff and all kinds of things. Um, he said, we, he was kind of conversing with me a little bit on Twitter. He said he feels that in those first six games, if the Bengals are to have a shot, at least with getting a good draw or a buy or any of that kind of stuff in the playoffs, they need to be five and one through that first stretch before the buy, I would say no worse probably than four and two. And I would say four and two is doable. Um, five and one would be tough, but I think if you're sitting at the buy at five and one, you're feeling pretty dang good about things at that point. <laughs> I feel like we, we usually have these conversations every, and I totally agree with Cody. And that's, that's how we kind of think of these things because we don't think in absolute worst case or, or best case scenarios. We try to, we try to find, 
ourselves in like the average of things while the Bengals were started the year what like two and three or whatever and four and four right by the right battle off, yeah. you know, eight consecutive wins so like right. it, it really it really does all matter about like how you finish but no i i agree like it 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 would make it easier if the Bengals were two games at least two games over 500 but they also just have a track record of just putting together these runs at the end of the season and you typically you would rather that continue to be the case if the back half of your schedule is going to continue to be tougher i saw a graph from warren sharp who basically looked at you know vegas odds and vegas projected win totals as a better gauge of like strength of schedule and just for everyone's schedule from week nine and on and the Bengals were, were, I believe, amongst like the eight or six toughest in terms of back half schedule, strength mm-hmm. of schedule. So continuing to put together those back half of the season runs, continuing to play winning football in November and December is going to continue to be important. But I agree. The first six weeks of the schedule, if I were to identify quote unquote soft spot, it's probably between week three and week five, just because like the Rams... They're just a shell themselves now. We talked about the Titans. The Cardinals, that's probably going to be before Kyler Murray c- comes back from that torn ACL. Like, I have no idea what that time is, but that's going to be October 8th. He suffered that torn ACL, I believe, in, like, December, or like, late, late November. Yeah, yeah. At, at the very earliest. So, I don't foresee him either being back or being close to 100%. I have no idea who the Cardinals' backup is, but... Like that's the that's the one game I'm looking at. Like the Bengals should absolutely win this game at Arizona and finish off the first five weeks at no absolute worse than three and two. That's that's the hope. I think they've got uh, they had uh, just kind of looking. Colt McCoy looks like Clayton Tune maybe David Blau. Ooh, uh, yeah. So a couple names on there. Uh, Jeff Driscoll's mentioned there. I don't know if he's still on their roster as well, but those are some of the some of the players on the noted as backup quarterbacks there. Um, we're going to get to listener questions in just a second. I want to, I want to say this too. I mean, you look at that. There's an odd dichotomy in those first six weeks because that seems to be. I mean, while I said the first month is pretty tough, that seems to be the softer part. Like you said, week three through five, wait, maybe even six. Who the hell knows who the Seattle Seahawks are going to be this year, right? They surprised everybody last year. I think everybody was resigned to the fact that them trading away Russ was going to give them the number one overall pick. And I mean, they, they made the postseason. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's like crazy. So I, again, you, you look at all of this and you go, okay, well, the first six weeks kind of seems to be, I guess the softer part of the schedule, but like you said, the Bengals haven't played their best ball necessarily the last couple of seasons at the beginning of the season, it's really going on late runs. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel there's an odd dichotomy here, though, because there's three NFC games in that first in those first six weeks, but there's also two divisional games. So, you know, you gotta you gotta kind of take care of business at, in those first two weeks, especially, um, especially, especially that home opener against Baltimore. That's going to be a crucial game in week two. So, yeah, um, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of where we're at with the schedule here and. That, that the last part here, you mentioned that last part of the schedule right here. Basically, I mean, you could start with San Francisco, but I mean, you could go even, you know, from from week eleven on. You know, that's a tough, pretty tough stretch. Or you can go week nine on, pretty. Tr- I mean, so this out of the bye, there's some there's some tough stretches. It, it's going to, it's going to be another testament to can this team kind of overcome their early season woes that they we've just become so accustomed to seeing now obviously there have been ex, ex you know other circumstances that have factored into that there have been injuries there's been lack of preseason time and everything but it's just time to just not come out of the gate looking so sluggish you know like mm-hmm. they, they've got an opportunity here to just get out in front of the AC of the AFC race and I don't know if the fact that maybe say they do go five and one in the first six weeks I would like to think that that wouldn't you know, soften or lessen the overall aggression to, you know, pull off another late season run, but you just got to make it easier on yourself because if you're going in, going into the bye week at like three and three or two and four, God forbid, and you have San Francisco and Buffalo, it's not going to be happy times in Cincinnati. It's going to be a ton of pressure on this team while this window, I'm not going to say it continues to close, but continues to get a little bit smaller and smaller. So there's going to be a huge onus on Zach Taylor, the coaching staff and everyone involved to just get out of the gate hot 
and like the schedule provides them an opportunity to do so if, if everything goes well. I just hope too, if they, God forbid, do start slow. I hope the narratives, because last year it was the, the all the narratives of they were frauds last year. They were, you know, making it to the Super Bowl. They were not going to repeat. I hope people actually do a little bit of homework if they do start slow, including ourselves. We may have the propensity to freak out, too. But I, I hope people do some homework and say, look, this is a team that can get really streaky. They get really streaky late in seasons, in the middle of seasons. So if there is a slow start. Let's not hit the panic button quite yet. We're going to get to a few questions and then get on out of here. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sheeran. He's John Sheeran. Uh, and this is the Orange and Black Insider. You can get this show on a variety of platforms, including our YouTube channel. Click the show icon above John to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And we we'll, we have our shows on that YouTube channel as well as Three and Out from Jason and Kevin. So giving you a lot of different stuff there. Uh, you can also get all of the audio side of things, including those two shows and others on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. We are there. So subscribe, leave us a review, hopefully a good one. If you are so inclined, we appreciate the support. John, let's get to a couple of questions unless there are other things on the schedule you think we need to talk about. Um, we've got a question here kind of early in the show from Mark Fry because you just talked about preseason. Uh, do you think we, we will play the starters in preseason this year after the slow start we had last year? Um, I don't, I, I mean, I, I think personally that they, they will play more. I don't think it's going to be substantial. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not expecting things to change until I see a change. And I know you wanted an actual answer with that, but <laughs> I, I think, I think their philosophies are pretty preset in place and they have a process and I think they would want to stick to it. And I don't think it's ever a bad thing by limiting guys snaps and games that just ultimately don't matter in terms of wins and losses. I, what, what my change is, I think Burrow is going to get, he's probably going to get at least <laughs> like he's got three career preseason snaps and he, he like, I think he might play it like a drive actually this time around, whether it's in the first week or the very last week, I think he'll be out there at least for some portion of it, and that would make him more active in one preseason than he has been in three other preseasons combined because of other circumstances. Maybe you have more, maybe you have an, an offensive line that's fully put together actually out there for a series, which wasn't the case last year, and that was obviously a huge issue with last year just because there was basically no continuity established entering week one. Other than that, though, like I, I think you'll see more or less the same as you have in, in years past. I, I would agree with you. And I mean, aside from the circumstances around Burrow, this team has attempted to bring in a lot of new people, a lot of new talent via free agency in the draft in 21. Well, 2020, 21 and 22, they've they've done that. And so. You know, I, I think that has a lot. A lot of the new faces have contributed. So many new faces in new spots has contributed potentially to some of the slow starts as well. Combined with the lack of snaps from those new new faces, I think you know sometimes that'll that'll contribute. That now the Bengals this year have some new faces on the defensive side of the ball, but there are a lot of guys starting now that have some starting experience on the offensive line on defense. So hopefully. They, they do get the work, you know, some some work um, and, and avoid injury, but also, you know, those growing pains, if you will, the, the guys working together for the first time type of stuff gets worked out this year as opposed to, you know, some new guys on the line, um, some new guys just around the roster that are that are uh, out there for the first time. Where, where are we going next? I wanted to hit up a question on Twitter from our guy, McCarran guy, and he's asking about – well, first of all, some some news. Miles Murphy was was officially signed uh, today. He signed his four year rookie contract, and I believe it was like the quickest first round pick signing the Bengals have had since the start of the new rookie wage scale back in 2011. So he's officially under contract. We had a question about him from McCarran guy. He's asking, with Miles Murphy on the roster, do you think Lou Anarumo will finally stop kicking Joseph Asai inside? And it's an interesting question, Anthony, because we did see that a little bit. During Joseph Asai's technically rookie year, but first year playing in the Bengals defense, and it wasn't predominantly his overall usage, but I think with Murphy in the fold, you have a guy who's probably 
more built to handle guards as a pass rusher, but I, I wouldn't discount Lou still trying to use his pieces as versatile as possible. It just it may look different in terms of like their their NASCAR pass rushing package, if you will, where you have Asai and Hendrickson on the edges and you have Hubbard and Murphy kicked inside. I, I'm not sure if Miles Murphy specifically is going to stop Joseph Asai from being used all over the line, but I think it will it will result in him being used more predominantly on the edge for sure. That's exactly what I was going to First of all, props to McCarran guy. Number one, his avatar or, or profile pick is Roger Smith from American Dad, and it's Roger <laughs> Smith as Ricky Spanish, which is a hilarious character on that show. And also props to the to the name because McCarron's having himself a hell of a year in the in the other football league in which he is playing. So kudos to to McCarron guy. He's he's winning on all kinds of accounts here. But no, I, I agree with you. I think um, I, I think I don't think it'll stop uh, completely for Osai kicking inside. I think certain things will dictate certain packages, certain movements, and everything. But I think it will it will lessen it um, because they'll find different rotations they've got another guy they can they can count on here what what i'm curious about because now we're talking about you know the big four edge guys obviously uh hendrickson hubbard osai and now murphy where does this leave a guy like cam sample right um where where it was roles for for players like that roster spots for other players like that where does it leave some of these guys that's where i'm i'm looking at um here because i mean you got a first round pick now added to the arsenal osai has first round traits um he's got to kind of start putting it all together it's a big big year for him started to put things together nicely at the end of the year despite that penalty in the championship game but um you know i think the Bengals have a good problem here uh and, and i think to this to this point here i don't think it'll stop osai kicking inside completely i think it'll he'll share that responsibility more probably with murphy and the Bengals have the ability and flexibility to get a little more creative osai is just a rare athlete man like he's fast and he's explosive and in certain situations that can be very advantageous going up against guards and pass protection obviously the less he's in those condensed situations the better just because he's he's on the smart side but I think you saw flashes as the year kind of went on. He was getting more used to that role. So looking forward to see how it goes. Uh, our our buddy here, um, should we sign Justin Houston? Just That's just a quick one for me right now. No, I think that's an emergency signing. Uh, I don't think he's been signed. Um, and, and neither has uh, Yannick, right? Has Yannick mm-hmm. and Gakwe been, been signed? Um, yeah, so those are, those are guys like, you know, in the event of, I don't even want to say the word I N J U R Y. Um, you know, I I think those are emergency calls uh, and and that's probably where a lot of teams are looking for, you know, for the, at those guys to come in potentially late in the summer, or if there's just some other issues, things aren't adding up right now. I don't, I don't know about you, John. I don't really see that as uh, where the Bengals go because of the Murphy pick. Yeah, they signed Basham. That was essentially their equivalent yeah. to Justin Houston or Yannick. I'm sure Houston or Yannick want more money than what Basham got, which is essentially at minimum. Yeah. Uh, I We had a, an email, and I, we'll get to a few more here. This is from a while ago, but, and I feel bad that we did not address this one. It was kind of more draft-centric, but I think part of the question still resonates here, and, and I think we can provide an answer for it. It was from Kenny. Uh, who emailed us a while ago. And and Kenny, we apologize not getting to it. He said, my name is Kenny. I'm a longtime listener who never submitted a question before. So I hope I don't come off stupid. There are no stupid questions, Kenny. Uh, we're I'm a big dummy behind the microphone here. So there are no dumb questions, my friend. Uh, what are the realistic expectations of Cordell Volson? Uh, do you guys think they'd be interested in a developmental piece in the draft in Andrew Voorhees? We know Voorhees unfortunately landed with the Baltimore Ravens to my great, great disappointment late in the draft. Um, and uh, should we expect the Bengals to try to try running in a wide, wide zone scheme again this year, or rather skip to running straight out of the shotgun? Um, okay. Uh, th- and then there's also, you know, Deontay Smith uh, question in there too. So there's a lot to break down here for me, John, uh, the Cordell Volson thing, I think the Bengals not going offensive line in this draft um, kind of tells you what they think of them and how much they like them. And there were some some ups and downs last year, but I mean, I think he gave uh, as much or maybe even more than advertised. Um, he was one of those guys, you know, older, small school, 
Um, I, I hate to use the phrase, but maybe not as high of a ceiling, but a, a high floor guy, right? Um, so I, I think it's it would seem they're potentially committed to him. They've it's more what are they doing with Jonah at this point, you know? Um, and and where does he fit in? Is he going to be the right tackle? Where's Jackson Carmen? Are they giving up on that experience? All of that. But for me, I think what they did and didn't do, I think Volson's in their long-term plans. Yeah, I don't know if the Bengals were, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if they were ever really interested in adding like an interior offensive lineman in the draft. Like they they were kind of in on some of the top tackles be, just right. because there's uncertainty there. But I, I think Cordell Volson last year was about as good as you could have expected for a day three pick who's never played against, you know, top tier competition to just come in immediately and be the week one starter and then play, I think, close to 1,200, 1,300 snaps or something ridiculous like that. So just an incredible workload for him, even if he did play 60 games or so in college. So for him to hold up for an entire 20 or 19-game schedule that the Bengals ended up playing into the playoffs and just be competent, just be okay, there's obviously room for improvement. How much he improves is up for debate just because he's already 24 and a half, 25 years old. There's not a ton of upside to go when you already enter the league at that age, especially because he's he's basically already filled out his frame. He's like he's as big as he's going to be. He's athletic as he's going to be. Right. He can get smarter. His technique can improve and, and and whatnot. But still, when you're at that age, your technique is more or less your technique. And they teach those guys in North Dakota State, you know, proper technique. They implement a lot of uh, blocking schemes in general. So, like, his knowledge was already pretty high coming into the league. I think he more or less is who he is. And you can survive with Cordo Volson at left guard. I don't know if he's a guy that you want to extend down the line. But I, I think he's the unquestioned starter left guard for this year. They're, they're going to evaluate how he is. They're going to see if he, if he does make that small incremental jump in year two. It will be needed. It will definitely improve the offensive line, but it's not going to take them to this next tier. I don't think you can expect Cordova Wilson to ever be a like notable above-average starter at guard, and I don't think you really draft him to be that, anyways. Right. Um, uh, you know, to the to the other question about the scheme, you know, I think, and you can you can maybe talk a little bit more to Chase Brown and fitting in uh, with that there, but I mean, you know, the wide zone scheme they've kept mixing. And they did not draft a running back until the fifth round. Now, Chase Brown was was a pretty good steal at that point. I think he'll bring a lot of value to the team. But, I mean, it would seem that your, number one, your preference to keep mixing, the attempt to keep P. Ryan, and then, uh, you know, not drafting a running back until the fifth round would say that they're probably sticking largely to a bit of what they've done before, you know, in previous years, the scheme, the offensive line coach is the same as it's been the past couple of years. So I don't see absolutely wholesale changes here in terms of the scheme. I could be wrong though. Yeah. We, we saw that shift last year. Like it, it's not good when you just have a negative or 0% success rate doing right. something schematically. And that's unfortunately what the case was when they had Joe Mixon behind Joe Burrow under center Defenses just keyed in on exactly what they were going to do, and they didn't have they didn't have the offensive line overall athleticism to just get out in space like that and create movement and displace guys. And I know that the whole thing with wide zone is it's not really about displacing; it's about stretching out the defense, widening those gaps, so you offer cutback lanes to your running back. The running back couldn't find the cutback cutback lanes, whether or not they weren't existent or he just wasn't reading it correctly, and it was just a terrible run game. So when they shifted essentially to the, the the run game that Joe Burrow had at LSU in 2019, like things just got better. The offensive line was better suited to just attack downhill, to attack in duo, to attack in inside zone, just in a, a more vertical style scheme for the offensive line, just because that, that better fits the athleticism that guys like Jonah Wayne, or excuse me, Cordo Volson, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, specifically in that, that interior trio, they're built for gap scheme uh, style runs. And with Chase Brown coming into the picture, he did a little bit of everything in Illinois. I was interested mm -hmm. in how much counter that Illinois ran out of the shotgun. And I think that could be interesting. You could have uh, Volson, Karras, and Volson, or excuse me, Kappa, Karras, and Volson pull around the line of scrimmage. That's what Illinois did a lot. I think that would work out of shotgun because they want this whole offense to be based out, out of the gun because that's where Burrow's the most comfortable with. And when you have a running back who's comfortable reading his gaps out of that alignment, it obviously allows you to do what you want to do. I think in their mind, though, like they want to just be able to do everything at least 
at a base competent level. I don't right. know if they can do wide zone at that anymore, especially because I don't really see Orlando Brown as that type of blocker anyways. I think he just fits in with that vertical run scheme and, and mm-hmm. just, just, just attacking the gaps like that. So I, I wouldn't expect wide zone to be their base run scheme anymore. Like they're, they're just all in the shotgun now. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you've kind of talked me out of my stance on that a little bit. I, 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 I don't, I, I think they, 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 you know, because the, like I said, that the figurehead pieces are there that have been trying to run this scheme for the past couple of years. I think they will try to run it. I don't know if they're going to try and run it by bashing their head against the wall, like they did for weeks and weeks and weeks last year at the beginning of the year until they made the change. But I think they're going to try to run those concepts probably in conjunction with, you know, running out of shotgun and, and gap scheme stuff. So, you know, you've kind of talked me out of my initial stance on that a little bit with your astute analysis, my friend. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I, I, I still think that's going to be part of what they want to do. Um, and, and who knows also, you know, I mean, might, might some teams start to watch late season film of the Bengals this year in terms of run, you know, how, what they were doing in the run game. And uh, maybe that becomes something where they have a little more trouble running the ball out of shotgun because teams have, have looked at that um, as opposed to making that kind of mid-season change. When, when did they really shift? I'm trying to think. When did they really shift that? It was, was that the, the big Carolina game with, with Mixon? Or, uh, it, it was week five, I remember. They they ran Mixon almost exclusively out of shotgun in that Ravens game. And it was still right. like, yep. it, was, it right. wasn't pretty, but it was still better than what the first better. four weeks were because they were just abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's right yeah now that that's ringing a bell on that on that but they didn't they started it then it wasn't all you know every run but it was it was much more frequent and then i think it slowly evolved into um what what became kind of a staple more middle late in the year but at any rate uh any other questions you want to get to before we hop on out of here my friend um we could do just a quick sweet yeah if you want Okay, well, let's pull that back up then, because I think some people have already. Let me see if I can pull that back up. Uh, I, I will pull the graphic back up. Um, what? What's your? I mean, talk to me while I pull this up. What? What's your gut feeling on? You know, I mean, are we looking at a team here? Actually, you know what? There's a question here. Um, and this, I, I thought this was maybe it was from Dan the Man. I got to see it. Uh, I think it was basically do you yeah here, here it is right here uh given our losses Hurst, bell bates and our additions free agents draftees more experienced young players and oh by the way athletic higher athletic players potentially do you think we will be a better team by the end of the season than last year by how much so that ties in well to a record prediction let's kind of start there and then i'll pull the graphic up and we can we can check it out hmm yeah i i think because hurts hurts Jesus, Hurts, Bell, and Bates are are your biggest, most notable losses. Hurst, yeah, Hurst. I'm tired, guys. Samaji Piran, I I don't think can be discounted either. But you probably replaced him the most effectively with Chase Brown, just because Chase Brown's going to come in immediately. I I guess you can call Irv Smith and Hayden Hurst kind of one for one too. Your biggest downgrade at the moment is safety, just because you have no idea what that position group looks like. You have no idea what they're going to be at the beginning of the season. They could definitely improve as the season goes on. But right now, that that's you lost, I think, at least 3,000-something snaps in terms of starting defensive backs, and over 2,000 is at, is at the safety room. So that's the biggest area of weakness. Every, everywhere else, you can make the easy argument that they are the same, if not better, than last year. But every team falls into this fallacy, right? Every team doesn't actually improve after year and year. There's always going to be teams that regress. But there was still a lot of things that the Bengals could have improved on from last year. They still had to make an offense work behind an offensive line that was still pretty much below average for the most part, especially after the beginning of the season. I think you have better depth at receiver. I think you're pretty much better at defensive line. You have better depth there as well. You have really good depth at cornerback, even though, again, the secondary wasn't necessarily a weakness last year. So in, the, in those very important areas, like you're probably better, and your high-end talent is the same. They're all still in their prime. I, yeah, I, I think you could definitely make the argument that, that this team is more talented. It's just about sustaining 
success year after year that that just gets tough and you add more variables on top of it more things that you can't predict just more randomness and that obviously gets in the way of stacking up multi or you know 10 plus win seasons over and over again but this team is built to do it more than pretty much 90 percent of the nfl yeah and it's also the variables of which teams on their schedule have regressed or or progressed right i mean that's always the question we can sit, sit here and say oh you know, the Buffalo Bills look like world world beaters. So do the Steelers, all that, you know, and then inevitably there are teams that just aren't as strong and there are some teams that sneak up on you uh, and they, they kind of catch fire. So, I mean, that that's part of the equation here. I will say this, while I, I agree with the, 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 uh, the notion of really having some big questions at safety, um, I do think the addition of Murphy and to a lesser extent Basham Getting more consistent pass rush, getting better pass rush. I think there's going to be a fire lit under Osai, given how his year ended last year, not only him playing well, but also the heartbreak at the end. I, I think that having an improved pass rush is going to make things easier, as the old adage goes, on the secondary, on the safeties potentially there. So I think that that helps. And I think, like you said, you're they're improved there. I think there are some areas where there, there are questions, but what they have done – is they have drafted or brought in guys with high athletic profiles for the most part that give you high potential to either reach back or beyond what you had with these losses that, that are mentioned here. So I think the, the potential is there for them definitely to be better. I think there, there are, you know, growing pains to, to withstand. You got to figure out the offensive line and get them to be consistent yeah, I mean, I, I hope our our guy Orlando Brown Jr. brings a, a big, big level of consistency there. You got to figure out right tackle, obviously, but I think once you figure that out, once you're able to regularly get after the quarterback with guys not named Hendrickson or or Hubbard, um, you know, I think you can you can have a pretty good mix of things if you shore up both of those lines. And I think the Bengals have done a pretty good job with of that the past couple of off seasons. So let's look at the schedule as we said. Um, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? What, what, I'll go first. Why okay, not? go for it. Go for it. 10 and 7 one he- year. 12 and 4 the next year. Could have potentially been 13 and 4 had that game actually counted. I think that's probably the range that you're looking at. But I don't want to discount this team going 14 and 3. Like I, I think they are legitimately that good. And I don't think... I mean, the schedule pretty much falls smack dab in the middle in terms of ease or, or, or hardness or whatever you want to call it, right? It's not a daunting schedule by any means, but it's definitely no cupcakes, right? It, it's right in the middle. And the Bengals should be favored in probably at least 10 or 11 of these games at minimum, right? So if everything just happens the way we expected to, you're looking at a baseline of, of about 11 wins. I think I think 12 and 5 just sounds the most correct to me right now because again 14 and 3 I, I think is completely doable and that sounds pretty you know homers homers to, to say just because that's a really good record that's probably going to get them the number the number one seed but i want to just stress the fact that that's definitely in reach now this is year three of this core grouping all together they've experienced obviously massive success in these past two years they're ready to build off that i don't think that there's like obvious regression like plastered all over this team in, in some of those important areas they, they've managed to get better at a lot of things but you can't expect everything to go right you can't expect everything to click you can't expect to be all the teams that you expect to be some things will happen and i think the fact that the, that this team speci- specifically has handled adversity very well in ways that we haven't expected it gives them that benefit of the doubt but still i think some things will it won't happen exactly as we envisioned it so i'm going to say 12 and 5 by the way peep the uh the the edited jersey on uh t higgins down here we're rocking the number five i just noticed that uh you know i'm i'm with you on that so let me ask you this then let's let's just you went with 12 and 5 right yeah um what did with a 12 and 5 record what do you foresee their record in in the division being if they have five total losses do you have them splitting with each team do you have them going four and two I assume you know you're not having them go two and four. Um, that would mean they they beat pretty much everybody else. So, um, I, just you know, spit firing. Would you would you say they split uh, split it or go four and two if with a twelve and five record? Yeah, they're four and two and three and three. Like uh, it w- it would do them great. Like I think we talked about this on Wednesday. It would it would definitely benefit them if they actually ended up with a winning record 
in the AFC North. To win the AFC North three consecutive years and to not like have like one of them like a sweep or like a five in one year like that's very impressive and it's mm-hmm. a testament to their success outside of the division I, th- like the, the the division's just going to be as good if not better than it was last year like the Steelers have improved I think you're going to get better quarterback play from the Browns quarterback I think you're going to see a healthier Ravens team this time around all of those teams are gunning for the division right now but they're still all behind the Bengals in a lot of respects so I'm going to say probably four and two in the division I would say yeah, I, last year I predicted. I think I wrote something up on Cincy Jungle, and I think I had the Bengals either going four and two or three and three in the division, splitting. I can't really remember, but I got just crushed for that, and <laughs> that's what that's ended up with. It, it's not a te- it's not a, a an indictment of a weak Bengals team. It's a, a compliment to the strengths of the other teams in the division, right? I mean, it's just that's just kind of what it is. So I. I see a potential of this team. I mean, I think the talent is there. I think they got to grow up pretty quickly to get, you know, with, with some of these new pieces and, or, you know, rookies, all that they got to grow up pretty quickly to get to be able to get to 15, 14, 15 wins on this schedule. But I I don't, I see it more in in your range. I would see more 11 to 12 wins. I think, you know, there's just some teams that are difficult on this schedule and maybe they're not as familiar with them looking directly at San Francisco in that respect. Um, you know, I, I think there's some tough, tough games. There are some pendulum swings uh, from some others. I don't know how good the Minnesota Vikings are going to be. I don't know if the Jacksonville Jaguars will be able to repeat what they did last year. We think they will. We, th- we think both of those will be strong teams. We just don't know. I see them splitting in the in the division as well. Uh, I think they they take one, you know, one each there. So there's three losses there. Um, and then, you know, maybe there's another two or three sprinkled throughout the 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 schedule there so um that would put them at what uh either 12 and 5 or uh 11 and 6 right so that's probably where i have them uh probably division champs again maybe you know maybe if 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 you're on the 11 side of things maybe that doesn't get you the, the division crown but into the wild card but i think the the potential for a 14 15 win i i think this this team is that good when healthy and when clicking right, um, it's just, you know, I think there are some tough spots on the schedule. I think the division's going to be really tough. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm going to go more 11, 12 wins for this team. The big question for you, John, in your 12 and five assessment, do you have them winning this one? The big week 17 matchup against the Chiefs. Do you think they win that one? Ah, you got to ask me in January or December. All right. (laughs) But but I I will say, though, I will say, because uh, Brandon Huday or 85 brings up a great point. No AFC North team has ever won the division three consecutive years. And I'm probably going to go back and forth on this. Like, I could easily see the Ravens winning the division. It's just really hard to go back to back to back when every team is so tightly contested and so close with one another. And again, I think the Ravens are going to be better. And you could just say that that they're due for that. And that, that's just where my brain I, that's where my brain wants me to take me. But this team has just continued to pleasantly surprise me again and again, despite acknowledging mm-hmm. how good that they continue to be. So, yeah, I, I could see them being wild card. I could also see them being the number one seed. Regardless, it's going to be a good outcome. You got to think also, what what were they last year? Uh, were they 12, 12 and 5 last year? Um, 12 and 4. Remember, right? Yeah, 12 and 4. Thank you, yes. Um, so 12 and four last year, obviously the, the, the terrible situation with the, with the bills game, you mentioned that looked like that was maybe headed towards a win. You also take into account the first two games of that season as well. The wacky one against Pittsburgh that probably should have been a win, if not for a freak injury to the long snapper and then barely losing to Dallas after playing like dog crap, really the, the, the better part of that game, but barely losing that one on the last second field goal. You know, you're talking about a team now that potentially could have had, you know, should have, would have, could have 13 to 15 wins uh, last year instead of 12. So, you know, I think you take that stuff into account and then that's where you say, okay, well, you know, maybe a couple of bounces, not weird injuries going the other way. And you've got a team that's, you know, in that 14, 15 win range this year. We'll see though. This has been a long one, but it's been a fun one. I appreciate your time, John. I know you're a busy guy, and you've uh, given a lot this this week. I appreciate it. Good, sir. This has been a fun one. And um, anything you want to add before we hop on out of here? Rookie numbers also just came out with the rookie class. Yep. Miles Murphy, we knew he was going to be 99. 
DJ Turner, good choice at 20. He's fast. You need to be fast toward number 20. 30 for Chase Brown. I I, I guess eh, I can live with eh. it. Yeah, But like, I think he's fine with it. Trim Battle, 27. Again, like, could be worse. Kind of a weird number for a safety. Uh, who am I forgetting? There was a there's a fourth-round pick in there. Charlie Jones, 15. He's, like you said, he's yeah, Chris Henry, yeah. 2.0. Hopefully better than John Ross when he, when he first started his career at number 15. Andre Yosevich, number 80. I think it's perfect for him. He's just a long stride vertical threat that makes a lot of sense. Kevin Huber, 2.0. Number 10, Brad Robbins, a punter. Poor one for DJ Ivy. A seventh-round cornerback, number 38. He might as well not yeah, have 38. training camp. Yeesh. Yeesh. Yeah, that's a that's not a great number. Not a great number. Thanks to everybody who submitted questions. Sorry if we didn't get to some. We appreciate you tuning in, whether it's live or after the fact. But this has been our schedule reaction show and listener questions live. We haven't done a listener questions one in a while. We're sorry about that. We'll do more. We're, we're going to do better. We're going to do better. <laughs> uh, but thank you all. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there early on here. Um, we. You know, thank you, Mom. Day too, too. Yes, yes. Thank you, Mom. And uh, yeah, we will see you very soon. Talking more Cincinnati Bengals, and get the show on YouTube. Click the Cincy Jungle Faith. Click the thumbs up on the Cincy, Cincy Jungle Facebook page, and get the audio files on your favorite audio streamer. All of the Cincy Jungle podcasts on your favorite streamer, as well as going and checking out my guys site a to z sports.com john doing some great work covering the Bengals and afc north there take care everybody we will see you soon again happy mother's day to all the mothers out there talk to you later to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today